Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. The show contains objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. What? 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 You want my comments? What? 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 Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Carlos, the wrestling movie guy, along with my main man, James, a.k.a. J-Dash. What's up? We're not an instant reaction. We're just a reaction podcast. But hey, at least we're getting a reaction, and that's the most important thing in wrestling. And the other important thing in wrestling is promos, and we are chock full of that. Remember to follow pwnewsroom.com for all your up-to-date wrestling news. Make sure to check out 503 Sports, one of our excellent sponsors. If you want to get some cool XFL gear from the year 2001, you some of y'all listening here may have not been alive back then, but yes, the XFL was alive in 2001. Go check them out. We got a new YouTube channel. You might be listening to us right there, but if not, feel free to go check us out. Give us a little like, share, and subscribe if you could. Make sure to check us out on uh, Anchor. Yes, that's right. We're also on Anchor, and that releases all our podcasts on iTunes, Podcast Attic, anywhere you listen to podcasts. More than likely, Anchor has got you connected there. And if you want to help support us on there, if you got a couple of bucks, feel free to go to Anchor, and you can help us out there. And as always, this is the Monday Night Edition, so we're going to be talking about Raw. What else will we be talking about? We're going to be talking about five storylines going on in the ring, two backstage stories, and our personal picks of the heels of the week. And, well, I gotta say, this was an interesting week with our first and number one story of the week. I mean, <laughs> you gotta start with where Raw started this week. Becky Lynch is pregnant, and Asuka is your new Raw Women's Champion. Well, WWE, the good news is that Becky Lynch got your ratings up, but uh, she's leaving for at least a year, and <laughs> wow, what a way to go out. James actually texted me about the rumor before it made waves, and uh, I kind of figured it had to be pregnancy because she was clearly healthy, and she had her match at WrestleMania, but then all of a sudden it was pretty weird to see that she was just gone. She essentially disappeared. But now we know why. And I want to say congratulations to Becky and Seth Rollins. I, I think that they're going to be very happy, as long as it's not the uh, storyline version, and <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> Seth doesn't seem too happy storyline-wise. But in real life, I think they're going to do great. I think Becky's going to be a great mother. And we here on the show and at, at PW Newsroom wish her all the best. This, of course... It's had a lot of ripple effects. This has changed everything about what Money in the Bank was because we all thought that it was for the contract. And turns out Oscar was actually fighting for the title all along. I got to say, though, it was kind of weird to see Oscar just be handed the belt because, well, she's Oscar. You expect her to always fight the good fight and get the belt. But she is Oscar at the same time. So if anybody's going to be handed the belt, I think that she's definitely deserving of it. Again, it's Asuka. <laughs> um, she could very well be the perfect replacement for Becky because of her history and pedigree in the ring and with the fans. Uh, but, you know, she is just as tough as Becky, but she is a heel. A fun heel, but a heel just the same. And in the WWE, heels have had a struggle to draw many, many times over the history. And Seth Rollins, actually, funny enough, is a pretty good example of being a champion that didn't really draw. But now the torch 
is in Asuka's hands. James, do you think she's going to be able to run with it? It's Asuka. Um, yeah, she is going to run with it because she got screwed two years ago by the WWE when WWE decided to bury her at WrestleMania. Absolutely. Um, this is, in my opinion, just the perfect scapegoat for them to go, here, Asuka, we fucked up, but seeing that our our true champion is pregnant, congratulations, Becky, uh, and uh, Messiah, Jesus, uh, congratulations on your child. Don't know if that's biblically in the story uh, from the Messiah. <laughs> Kayfabe pregnancy wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the most tasteful storyline pregnancy uh, ever. <laughs> but I, even though that we Americans don't think Asuka is a draw, she is a big draw over in Japan. Uh, she is a big name in Japan. Uh, and one thing, if you watched uh, in New Japan Wrestling for non-American or for American wrestling fans, once you become a legend in Japan in wrestling, you have your followers for the rest of your life. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter if you're. Uh, a female wrestler that just wrestled for just two titles, and that's it. Asuka did everything there over there in Japan. When she came to the United States, she was a big. She was the big. Uh, you know, she was unbeatable. She killed it in NXT. Yeah, she wasn't. That's. I still don't understand how they decided in her winning streak at WrestleMania. That was the one thing I could not understand why the WWE said, "Hey." Let's build this star up, even though she has stardom in Japan, and let's bury her in the biggest wrestling event in the world. Uh, uh, I forgot who she lost to. Was it Charlotte? She lost it was to? indeed Charlotte, and I'm a huge Charlotte fan, but even I thought that was the wrong move. Um, but was the title match you mentioned about was the Money in the Bank match itself a little odd for them to be going for the championship itself? Well, no, I just I thought it was a little strange that they handed it to her, but the fact that the entire time we thought that they were fighting for a contract, they were actually fighting for the title. That's what I just thought was kind of whiplash-inducing. It's like M. Night Shyamalan. Ooh, what a twist. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a nice twist. It's like half the dumb WWE Universe fans like, How's Ray and Aleister Black on Raw? They got thrown over the roof. <laughs> it's called kayfabe, people. It happens all the time. Welcome to the world of wrestling. I mean, we ran with it on the live stream. Like, what's the, <laughs> how long are they going to be gone? They're dead. They're never going to come back. They're dead. They never existed. There was never Ray Mysterio and Aleister Black. They're dead. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just went Wing Commander on you right there, uh, but... Well, as long as it's not the movie. Video game Wing Commander, that's cool. But the movie... No, that, <laughs> that, that phrase is from the movie, by the way. They never existed. Um, but like I pretend the movie didn't exist? Yes. And I well, saw it in theaters, people. I saw that shit in theaters. Oh, wow. Welcome to the... Oh, misery. <laughs> it's a very but, small, exclusive club. <laughs> yeah, um, but the ripple of... What we get, let's get back to... Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Rumors started uh, hitting around lunchtime, Eastern Standard Time, on Monday from, I think it was uh, PW Professional Wrestling Observer, I think it was. and oh, the, the Wrestling Observer and the wrestling PW Observer. Insider. Yeah. Those websites are the ones that started leaking the information, and 
And once those hit, you kind of you know put your finger towards something was up because she won the match at WrestleMania, then she went MIA. And from one of the reports or one of the stories is that she didn't know how to take a pregnancy test at the beginning of it. So there's, you know, false positives or, you know, not really true uh, actual positive tests until later. Um, but one thing I do want to say about the WWE is that how they did this opening segment, I think, was the best way to do it. Because I really do think that Asuka had no fucking clue what was going on. Yeah, that until, she's the best actor ever. Yeah, uh, until she 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 was being her character, and Becky was totally out of her character from the start. You know, she wasn't the man; she was the mom at that point. And then she told Becky, uh, told Oscar, excuse me, that you're going to be a good champion, and now I'm going to be a, a, a mom. And right then and there, you saw Oscar break character, which Vince hates. His employees breaking character during matches or during pay-per-views or during events. I think this is the first time I don't. I think he won't backlash Oscar for this. Um, but it, I, it was a good start to a Raw. I think if you look at the ratings wise, it was a very positive start to Raw. And all good vibes, good news, and after Raw ended, you got all the. Newspaper reports from the people even listen to this, but we're reading newspapers anymore. You got all the reports from ESPN, Sports Illustrated, all the wrestling websites, all the sports websites talking about the man and being pregnant. And yeah, it, I think it was a good thing. Congratulations again to Becky. You're going to be missed a year. So one year from now will be, oh, look, money in the bank next year. I wonder if they're going to still shove the corporate ladder crap down our throat from one year from now. Um, but it was a good segment. I'm. It's going to suck that now the women's division needs to step up a little bit, seeing that the main weapon is gone, unless Charlotte decides to ditch the NXT and come to Raw, which I think is highly... I think that's going to be the best-case scenario for Raw from, from the women's division point of view. But I think it was a great segment. I think it was approached the right way. I think it was executed the right way. And you saw true emotion from Becky and Asuka. Um, and... I like to see real genuine expressions and emotions in promos like the like this pregnancy and like past stories uh Daniel Bryan, Edge and um Roman Reigns. Uh, I like when we actually see real genuine stories from real life situations. And I think Vince knows how to like, knock those segments out of the park and he did a good job here especially with Becky his main money maker for the women's division and it's going to suck. But I do think Asuka with her reputation from Japan and, and actually her reputation from SmackDown over the last couple of years, didn't get Trey the raw. It's, I think she, for some odd reason, there was this, I think I, we can talk about this. She was in an interview with her tag team partner or her tag team partner came in, saw the belt and her tag team partner looked at her in that way. Like, how in the F did you have that belt? What's going on? And at start, I know people don't want, want, want don't want to recognize this, but it looks like we might already found Asuka's first rival or feud, and it's going to be with her Japanese counterpart. So it was a good segment. I really enjoyed it. And congrats again to the man, or excuse me, the mom 
um, and of course the Messiah himself. So uh, hopefully uh, everything goes planned, everything stays healthy, and she is back here in the WWE in the year, year and six months maybe. Hopefully SummerSlam of next year, and hopefully everything's all good. The only thing right now, oh crap, that was just now. We have breaking. We have breaking news from the WWE. WWE Intercontinental Title has been declared vacant. Oh wow! So uh, Sami Zayn is definitely injured. Oh, that's wild! Holy crap! We'll definitely get wow. No, <laughs> that kind of caught me off. Sami Zayn has not is not injured. Sami Zayn is has been. Well, we that's keep what. The, yeah, well, keep going. You keep. Oh, let's go to the, let's go to the next subject. I'll All dig right, into yeah. this. Uh, we're totally we're totally throwing off the cover. Look, real quick, just to get back on track, because we certainly weren't expecting an ESPN da 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 moment right there. But you know, this is the world of wrestling. Things are always going to be happening. It's a constantly rotating news network. I feel like the wrestling world is more busy than like CNN or Fox News or whatever the hell. You know, <laughs> there's just always stuff going on. But last thing I was just thinking to myself about this whole Oscar situation is that if indeed, and it looks like it, it she'll be going up against Kyrie Sane, there's going to be two birds with one stone here. Yeah, you may lose Becky Lynch, but this is great stuff for Asuka and Kyrie Sane because if Kyrie's going to start feuding with Asuka, guess who's going to get a title shot? So that can only help Kyrie Sane as well. So the Kabuki Warriors are finally going to be moving up into the the really big time at this point. And when it came to Becky Lynch and her whole announcement, I'm not uh, usually one to, you know, get weepy or anything. But I got a little misty-eyed when I saw the info. I was like, wow, man, I'm very happy for her, but I'm also very sad that we're not going to have the man around. But I'll tell you something, he didn't seem, uh, well, maybe he did seem sad, but more, well, he just hasn't been on his game. (laughs) And Seth Rollins to uh, to fight against this, decided to try to blind Rey Mysterio. That came out of nowhere. While the rest of the roster was celebrating Becky's announcement, yeah, one person was very despondent, and that was Seth Rollins. And it's, uh, it's rather shocking to see his uh, state of mind the whole night. I haven't seen a good meltdown like this in WWE in a very long time. So Seth and Buddy Murphy have themselves a tag team match against Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black, which also kind of... Seemed like a random, odd couple. Hey, we were both thrown off the roof. Let's be friends. So this is the real friendship that'll never end, people. But, uh, you know, throughout the match, Murphy's just getting beat down, and Seth is doing nothing but staring off into nowhere until Ray makes a big mistake. He takes a little pop shot at Seth, and Ray awoke a sleeping giant. In fact, I don't think he was sleeping at all. He was just resting up. Seth unloaded on Ray, beating him down with major rage and contempt. And then a great spot happened. I love this kind of stuff. Seth takes Ray's head and puts his eye over to the steel trap. And I don't think I've really seen anything like this. Like, well, okay, I've seen it before because I've seen a lot of like screwed up matches with like Abdullah the Butcher back in the day. Not that I was alive back then, but I like to go back and watch those. But Ray's eye goes up to the steel steps and he forces his eye to the sharp edge and then the eye starts bleeding and everything. Like you could you could tell where they were putting the uh the blood cap, you know, over by Ray Mysterio's mask and whatnot. 
But that didn't matter because I completely bought into the story, hook, line, and sinker. Now, this might be a highlight or a low light of the night, depending on how you're looking at it, but I loved it. And to top it off, at the very end, of, well, not at the very end of the night, but afterwards, Seth goes looking for Ray and saying, I, I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, he's trying to apologize to him. Like, is Seth Rollins creating a split personality? Do you think that that could be something that they're toying with? Well, you're missing out of the, poor, the most important, you know, sequence of events during that. When he went back out, back behind stage and asked Ray, are you all right? And his disciple was there, Murphy. Mm-hmm. Murphy snapped back at Aleister Black. And Seth Rollins is just nonchalantly walking in the background, like they, the, everyone who was there just completely forgot about Seth, and he just walked off into the sunset. No, I noticed that, but I also noticed how stupid it was that if Alistair Black is going to be angry at anyone, he should be angry at Seth. <laughs> Buddy Murphy was not the one to shove Rey Mysterio's eye into the steps. Why is he not going after Seth? That just yeah. made no sense to me. Well. If you listen to my Money in the Bank review, unfortunately, you weren't there. I said that a storyline that could be brewing for Aleister Black was when he... Remember when he kicked AJ Styles into the Undertaker's room? Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, and Aleister Black has that casket, uh, casket type of entrance. I was like, that would have been something if, you know, Aleister Black got thrown off the roof. He's dead. But... AJ Styles is getting those flashbacks of like oh, Undertaker's come back and boom, it's actually Aleister Black. I thought that would have been a great transition for AJ to have a feud on Raw. But you just cool. then you just saw him on Raw last night, and I'm like, well, well, there goes my fucking idea. I need to be a freaking creative person in the WWE uh, because you would have been teasing the Undertaker this whole damn time. Then it'd be under, then it'd be Aleister Black, and everybody like, oh, it's uh, Aleister Black's back. Then if we got to SummerSlam, bam, Undertaker surprised come returns, and you built up that storyline. But like what you mentioned about Seth, are we seeing split personality? And now I think we, ha- I think we're seeing daddy issues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did not react well. <laughs> um, but he, I think from what I'm getting and taking from it, is when he shook the hands of McIntyre at Money in the Bank, his mental state of mind of being this glorified, holy uh, messiah looks like he lost his mojo again, and now he's lost. If you remember, I think the Raw after WrestleMania, he was the same exact way. He was by himself in a room cutting like stupid little promos. And it seems like it's just a continuing thing. Um, but one thing that you mentioned about the the staircase or the steps, about how he was smashing uh, Ray's eye on it, you don't see that in the WWE Raw or SmackDown anymore. You usually see that either in a pay-per-view because it's not on network television, or you'll see it in other promotions like the AEW and WA, New Japan, that are not restricted by their networks to follow certain guidelines. But 
this segment between Ray, I don't like what you just said. How how in the hell is Ray and Alistair Black? Hey, we died together at a, a Money in the Bank. Well, let's be friends. I I just come on WWE. This is a great time for you to either write off a character like Ray Mysterio, who I think was in contract uh, the, the negotiations. I think he signed one. Yeah, but at that time, resigned. yeah, but He's at the time of the, for a couple of years. Yeah, but at at the time, he at the time the recording of this match, he wasn't signed. So that could have been the point where they were throwing him off the uh, like literally throwing him off TV. Um, and I think it was Alistair Black was the only one that could have had a, a well developed storyline that I just magically created, which would never you know exist. But. I like Seth's character, but you think he's having split personality issues? I think the Messiah is just coming to the realization that now he's a daddy, or they're trying to mix both real-life type of scenarios into his character. And then again, like he's how he snapped out of it. It's like, oh, what happened to Ray? Oh, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> that's, when was the last time we've had characters that do that in the WWE? But it's... If you're going to tell me that this is going to be a feud between him and Rey Mysterio for Backlash, uh, I'll pass. Uh, Seth needs more than just Rey Mysterio, honestly. I'm not bashing Rey. It's just Seth is supposed to be your now your 1A or 1B superstar with uh, Drew McIntyre. So still we're only five weeks away from Backlash, so they have time to do something. But yeah, that's my opinion about Seth. I definitely think that they could make it work with Ray. I mean, Ray is and always will be one of the most popular wrestlers in WWE, even when he's not even going after the United States Championship. He's just so over with the crowd. There's always going to be people that are buying his masks and buying his shirts and whatnot. Like, I think that they could definitely make it work, and I think that Seth and Ray would probably make beautiful music in the ring. I don't think they'll make any babies, not possible, but they'll definitely be able to make some wonderful music in the ring because uh, they're both kind of kind of high flyers, you know. They're they're both uh, very athletic, fast moving wrestlers. Before we um, go to the next subject, I do mm-hmm. have the official WrestlingNews.com report on the vacated Intercontinental Title. All right. Uh, the reason uh, the reason why it was announced on WWE backstage by no other than the best in the world. That Intercontinental title has been vacated due to Sami Zayn not being on TV after Summer uh, after WrestleMania. Um, he Sami Zayn is staying home due to the pandemic. He has not been tested for the te- or for the virus, or has any symptoms of the virus. He feels safer at home and will will rather stay at home. Thus, the WWE has relinquished him of the uh, Intercontinental title as it has not been on TV since WrestleMania. Therefore, on third Friday night SmackDown during Miz TV, the Miz will make an announcement or a suggestion about the title, possibly with Otis. So here we go again with another maybe title holder. I knew if they do this to Otis, I knew something was up with him winning it because I don't see him winning the Universal World Heavyweight. But right now, from from the WrestlingNews.com. For Friday Night SmackDown, we will see the Miz TV segment about the Intercontinental Championship. As everyone should know, 
basically what the Miz says, self-proclaims himself as the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Uh, I think he has the longest reigns total, so I may be wrong, but that is the news for WrestlingNews.com about the Intercontinental title and Friday Night SmackDown. Damn, that is wild. Damn. Uh, well, I mean, can't really blame the guy. It's a serious situation. He pulled the Roman Reigns, but I don't blame him for it. I don't blame Roman. I don't blame anybody that's staying home during all this. You know, it is what it is. You got to stay safe. Hey, man, you do what you got to do. Wish him nothing but the best, too. I hope that this doesn't, you know, affect him in the future with WWE. But you know how, how Vince can be. But he seems to be a little more understanding than usual right now. But, uh, yeah, I guess let's move on to the next subject. That was most unexpected. But uh, thank you for the update, James. Y'all can yeah. thank him for that. Remember, he doesn't have the virus. He doesn't. He hasn't tested for it, and he has no symptoms. So this is nothing... He's not sick. He's not injured. So don't spread the rumors, people. And when you listen to this podcast, well, this podcast said he's sick. He is not sick. He wasn't tested, and he has no symptoms. The WWE is just making the decision to get that belt back on TV because it's one of their main belts. So, yes, to clarify it, but let's move on. All right, so let's move on to story number three. Edge and Randy Orton are once again rekindling their rivalry. At first, I actually thought that the eyeball spot would be the best way to finish off Raw. And that this promo couldn't possibly top the eye. It didn't. But with that said, this was still a phenomenal way to end the night. As much as I love the eyeball spot for how bombastic it was. This, on the other hand, was a total opposite, but in a good way, because it was cerebral, and that's always a good thing in my eyes. Sometimes having a great promo like that is better than having a match in the ring, you know? So Randy Orton attempts to let Edge know that the best man won at WrestleMania, but he couldn't do it. He just couldn't be the bigger man, and he admitted it. RKO seems to believe that Edge won because he has grit, and fighting in a no-holds-bar match actually gave Edge an advantage because he's not in an enclosed area where he has to rely on his own skill. He can go out and use all kinds of weapons, you know, powerbomb him or spare him through a, a garbage truck or something like that. He actually thinks that uh, in a clean, no-gimmick match, Edge won't be able to make the cut. For nearly a decade now, Randy Orton has been on a Hall of Fame run in the WWE while Edge, regrettably, had to stay home due to his neck injuries. So now, Randy Orton is pretty convinced he's got all kinds of ring rust. So Randy Orton challenges Edge. However, Edge never gives him an answer. Maybe Edge has doubt in his mind. All of this is just fantastic stuff to me. I, I love the path that these two are going down. And I thought that after WrestleMania, all of this was done. But I was wrong. Did, did you feel struggling as I did about this? Because I'm, I'm all over it. I, I love this. If you listen to the wrestling community, if you listen to the fans in the WWE Universe, Hi. They're all saying, why are we seeing this again? Why are we seeing Randy Orton and Edge? But yet, they don't bitch about Sasha and Bailey. See, 
Randy Orton and Edge are Hall of Famers. Well, Randy Orton isn't yet, but he will be. <laughs> oh, hands down. They were one of the most creative tag teams, rated RKO. And when these two men are in a ring together, no matter if it's SmackDown or Raw, they bring ratings because of their their names. So when you have half the wrestling community complain and bitch about how this match is going to be a backlash, and we've already seen it again, well, we see a lot of fights in all type of sports, boxing, MMA, even in wrestling, where we have Chapter 2, Chapter 3, Chapter 4, Chapter 5. Roman Reigns, well, Baron Corbin. The Rock and Stone Cold. The Rock and Triple H. <laughs> the Rock, uh, Triple H and Stone Cold. How many times have we seen those matches in the past, and we didn't bitch about it? You see, this match of Randy Orton and Edge has a story of their history. And yes, WrestleMania did end on, a, you know, on Edge's favor. But... Give me Edge and Orton 2, or Edge and Orton 3. I don't know what, how many times they face one-on-one on pay-per-views. It's going to sell. It's going to be a good match because both guys are good competitors. They don't put on crappy matches. We're not going to watch Tamiya and Bailey um, version 2. We're actually seeing two guys who um, really despise each other in the ring but really appreciate each other outside the ring. And this storyline... It's just not been, you know, slammed together on a Saturday night to be thrown onto a pay-per-view card like our truth and MVP. This, <laughs> no, this, you mean uh, Bobby and our truth? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, night, yeah, yeah, but, but <laughs> this this rivalry has been going on for years, even though with Edge has been gone. So. Yes, fans out there, I know a lot of you don't understand ratings, and I don't know all of you don't like seeing the same thing over and over again, but I hate to break it to you. What else has Raw been positive with over the last couple of weeks besides the Becky Lynch story? Randy Orton and Edge have been one of the highlights of Raw before WrestleMania and now during after WrestleMania. Yes, it's been a month since we've seen them, but still... Look for the next four weeks to be massive buildups for this match. Is this the end of Randy Orton versus Edge? Possibly. Possibly not. Edge does have now 18 appearances left on TV and pay-per-views. So the buildup is going to just begin, even though we've seen over two years. But to the fans out there that think that this is, you know, we're, we're beating a dead horse with the same match, well... I'd rather have Orton and Edge than Bailey and Sasha, which we've been having for, I don't know, since Jesus walked the earth. That's how long that storyline's been going, basically. Um, but I like it. I like the approach. I know that you see how Randy Orton's playing those mind games, saying that Edge is the no holds bar favored his side because he's rusty in the ring. I like that aspect. That's the true legend killer type of viper and Randy Orton that we need. And one thing we do know, and I guarantee you agree with Carlos, and I guarantee a lot of wrestling fans out there agree, is that Randy Orton is better when he is the pure heel. He is one of the best heels to ever be, ever grace us in the WWE. Oh, and, hell yeah. Absolutely. And he's with a, that, 
Yeah, he's he's a, I just want to say, he's a glorious real-life asshole. He's not really a nice guy. If you walk up to him and you want an autograph, he's probably going to be a dick to you. But that, that side of his personality works beautifully as a wrestler. When you try to turn him into The Rock or something, it doesn't work. So, yeah, I definitely agree, 100%. Yeah, when he's a face, he's only a face for like maybe uh, a, a quarter, maybe like four months, and that's it. And he's majority a heel. Um, I remember he was a face two years ago when he was facing against Jinder Mahal. No, that was last. <laughs> that was, yeah, no, that was last year. No, that was two years ago. Yeah, it was 2018, but that was uh, a rough time. But yeah, that that was a dark age of WWE when we have Jinder Mahal as a WWE champion. Um, but, yes, this Randy Orton versus Edge, the, the WrestleMania match was good. I enjoyed it. Their history, their chemistry of them two in the ring are topped in uh, some of the best wrestling that you'll see from guys that are at their age and their experience level. So, yes, I enjoy this. Give me more of it. I don't care what people will say about well, this is going to be bullshit. I'm going to give this a rating of a 1.1 because we've seen this a hundred times. You weren't saying this shit when we seen Stone Cold and The Rock 4 at WrestleMania 18 or WrestleMania 19. So, so yeah. Hmm. Give me more Randy and Edge. I don't care if it's Chapter 9, Chapter 3, Chapter 27, or the pre-show. These two guys deserve to be on TV, and you kind of miss Randy Orton on Raw because he does bring ratings. Oh, definitely. And speaking of negativity on the fans' part, I was very surprised about our fourth segment here to see some of the reactions that were just... A lot of people didn't seem to like it, but I adored this. The Viking Raiders had a basketball game with the Street Profits. And I'm going to try to keep this quick because I always feel like I'm bad at describing things that are funny. You know, <laughs> I, I just ruin things. I always ruin the punchline. But this was hilarious. I've never loved the Viking Raiders more than I do right now. When you turn these guys into a comedy duo with a badass streak, I think that is the best way to make them work for me. Because, again, it's just my personal taste. The whole fish-out-of-water take that these guys had going on. Like they didn't understand what a actual basketball was. They said, uh, the street prophets told them, Hey, remember you can't foul. They said, foul. What's a foul. Like <laughs> that stuff was absolutely hilarious. They actually go to a basketball court dressed up in their Viking uniforms. That is just so over the top, hilarious. It's stupid and absurd, but I don't care. Two Vikings in a basketball game struggling to understand basketball is just one of the best things ever. I want to see other scenarios where they're out in the real world when all this Rona stuff is over, like trying to buy a computer and trying somebody trying to explain it to them, or go to a zoo and want to fight with the tigers or something. You know, I, I want something to that effect. So, bravo WWE, bravo! Please feed me more. Wow. Um, did you happen to listen to my review about this segment? No. Not about. Chances I have. Uh, <laughs> That's well, what makes this interesting, because on this show, we get your reaction. 
I don't like it. What? <laughs> I say, you gotta be uh, kidding me. I I didn't. I, it was. I the reason why I didn't like it is that. I didn't. I felt like the basketball gimmick doesn't belong on Raw. But I understand why they're trying to get the Viking Raiders with the Street Profits different angles into, you know, approach different. Try and build up a rivalry about anything you can do, I can do better. It sounds like a Gatorade commercial from back in the 90s. Ah, it's, it's a homage to uh, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. That's what it reminded me so much of. And I love that stuff. It's... Let's just say they could approach it differently with different aspects like not just not basketball, like you know, do something that's now if they go next week with, you know, going fishing or something like that and the Viking and the Street Profits don't know how to do fishing like the Vikings do, then I understand the gimmick. So you go to basketball for the street profits and you go to you know, like fishing or hunting for the Viking Rangers next week. Yes, I understand it. That would be great. Yeah, but to present the Viking Raiders as this dumb, dumb people from Norway, like they don't know what's going on, but yet after <laughs> after the basketball game was over, the, the Viking Raiders were like, oh, we're joking. We know how to play. And they started making every single shot. Which was very staged shooting because every time you saw a jump shot, the screen paused, then you saw the ball going in the net. No, so you only, know no, they only made one. They only made one shot. They lost seventy nine to two. Yes, but and after as soon as they that, made a shot, they were they were so happy. Now after that, that's when Street Profits was like, look at the scoreboard and they were like, Yeah, we know. We let you win. And all of a sudden they just started, you know, showing off that they can hit jump shots from three point you know, range. Did, did my YouTube TV like cut out because I didn't get any of that, and I had yeah. something very odd happen as well in the Shayna Baszler match against Natalia. Yeah, yeah it, it skipped and went to the victory. It, you saw her hit the finisher move, then you never seen the pin and went right to the her celebrating at the top of the ramp. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You got to be yes. kidding me. So that the, was, wait, that they actually threw in all those three pointer shots at the end. Yes, that was YouTube oh. TV for you. Damn it! You know what? I prefer my version. I prefer that they were no good at it. I prefer that they made that one shot and they're like, yay, they were so happy because that's funnier. And I don't think that they're dumb. Like, I mean, they're two dudes running around in Viking outfits but, in 2020. Like, but seriously, Vince <laughs> like, McMahon just likes to make big time, big characters dumb. Like, even, I think it was a big show on them. I think the. One of Stone Cold's podcasts is like one of the first things that the Big Show was going to be when he came to WWE was this big guy, no intelligence type of individual. Especially Kane. When Kane came in, who is very well spoken, who is the mayor of Knoxville right now. They want him to be some you know mentally retarded guy who is big. So, well, he, so, so he Vince, was the dentist. Uh, what's his face? Yeah. Isaac Yankum. Exactly. Oh God, that's so long ago. How do I remember? <laughs> how do I remember that? That's been Jesus Christ. That's been a long time. I got you covered. I'm a Wikipedia um, for wrestling. But you, like Luke Harper, for example, he is from New York. 
And when he became the Wyatt family, Vince told him to be, well, we want you to have a very country, redneck, you know, low IQ type of character. And Luke Harper is like, I can't be that guy because I'm not from the South. I'm from New York. Like the Albany, I think he's from the Albany area. And they continue on this how the Vince McMahon makes characters dumb. The tag team that just left the revival, they in the in Talkers Jericho podcast, and I think it was two weeks ago, they told the revival, hey, we want you to not use your southern accents. We want you to have a northern accent. And Dash and Wilder are like, we're from the south. How can you get our southern accents away from us? We're from the south. So they're both from North Carolinas. But through what I'm trying to get at is that Vince has had history of getting big game, big, big dudes, big game guys, and put like make them all the reason why they're big and strong is because they're dumb, they're idiots. We kind of see it with Otis a little bit. I know a lot of people may be like, that's pushing it a little bit there, James, but you kind of see it about how Otis, you know, presents himself as a on the mic. But with the Viking Raiders in the basketball, I think they were saying, oh, you know, the Street Profits, they, you know, they, because they're African American, they're good basketball players. And the Viking Raiders are white, like white, bigger white guys with low IQ level. I felt that looking at that approach was kind of you know, a little cringeworthy, in my opinion, unless they do something on Monday next week that is the opposite, where it's either hunting or fishing or. Something or chopping wood that is something that's more Vikingish compared to what the street profits may do to see if they go with that storyline. The only reason why I didn't like the basketball games because I felt like it was like, uh, and your boy, um, the announcer, the guy who uh thinks he's Mr. ESPN, um, not Graves, uh, forgot his name, uh, not Byron Saxon, yeah, it's Byron Saxon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said something during the match like, man, LeBron and Jordan would be proud of the Street Profits. I'd be like, LeBron and Jordan look at the Street Profits and go, what the hell are you doing? Oh, that's just that. That's just wrestling uh, yeah, commentary, that's... though. You never really take that seriously. Yeah. They always make those sports references. Oh, yeah. But they always try to say legends compared to legends. And for me, I wasn't a fan of the segment. I'm not going to completely destroy it being trash. We've seen some bad segments with gimmicks like this in the history of the WWE. This wasn't this wasn't by far the worst. There was there's some that are a lot worse than this. Kamala um, comes to mind. Ugh. That yeah. was uh, that was rough. Uh, but now you want to talk about racial overtones? Ugh, that's the king. Yes, but yeah, it was it's something different and unique. Because I, I like that's one thing I do like about the WWE. They're trying to expand out new ideas to try to attract fans because they're so limited right now during the situation that's going on around the world. So I, I applaud the WWE trying to do stuff with that. But sometimes their execution's not on point. If you catch my drift. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. From my point of view, I just saw. Two silly guys that have always been acting so serious all the time. Well, you always like them. Let them have some fun. Say what? You've always liked the Viking Raiders. I mean, I like their ability in the ring, but their gimmick as, like, my 
dumb wrestling side of my brain is like, oh, yeah, it's so bad, it's entertaining. But at the same time, I just never really felt like they were much fun personality-wise. They're the they opposite always... for me. They're the B team to me, but opposite. Mm. The B team, I love their gimmick. I could not stand their ring performance. No, fair enough. Okay, now I get that. Now I get the, the parallel there. But I I think that this is the best way to go about it. And I'm so disappointed to hear that there was the extra ending that I didn't see where they apparently come alive and just took everything over in the basketball game. That kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. No, no, the game ended. The game was over. The Shrew Prophets won, act like they, they won the game. But the Viking Raiders acted like, oh, we were just playing with you guys. We know how to play basketball. And that's when they started showing off of how hitting all the shots. The game was over. Yeah, I didn't get any of that. So I feel ripped off. Thanks, YouTube yeah. TV. It was only like six seconds. Eh, eh, I'll live. I'll stick with my director's cut. The yeah, director you should of my be, brain. You should be used <laughs> to six seconds. I'm sorry. I lost track of what we were talking about. What? <laughs> but anyway, uh, last story of the night. Probably the most minor, but uh, definitely very interesting. I like where this is going. Finally, it has begun. MVP stable is starting to take shape. Seeds that MVP has been planning around the WWE locker room are starting to grow. And it seems like Bobby Lashley is getting ready for a reunion with him. Don't forget, people. They work together in Impact Wrestling. They definitely got a lot of history together. Plus, they're, yeah, they were both around uh, 20, uh, 2007 when MVP got started. And... They, the two of them had this really good backstage promo, and they did a good job reminding the fans of their past and how long it's been since Bobby's even sniffed the WWE title. In Impact, he was the champion, but not in WWE since 2008. He did get the Intercontinental Championship, but his IC run wasn't very memorable. And now, though, he has a better chance to do something special. And, and given that he has MVP at his side, allegedly it's not set in stone. I think that uh, having a manager like him, like MVP, is really going to help him out. Because let's face it, Bobby just simply isn't the best of promos. But goddamn, that man can perform in the ring. And why it's taken WWE this long to figure out, to, you know, to figure this out is beyond me. Here we go, Lana. Yeah, I guess you could say that Lana has been his manager, but when you think of Lana, you don't think of her in that kind of Paul Heyman or uh, Sonny kind of, you know, you don't really put her in that group. Lana is okay in the ring. You put her in the right storyline, she's great. But overall, I just don't think that she works that well with Bobby as a manager. She doesn't really lift him up. And I think that MVP would be the person to do that because MVP can talk with the best of them. Like if The Rock and MVP were to, were to have like a, a, a back and forth promo, I think that he would hold up pretty well. And that says a lot. You know, if you can keep up with The Rock, you really know what you're doing as a manager. So. I'm very happy with this, but is uh, Apollo Crews still on the cards? Uh, the other tag team that uh, actually defeated um, Ricochet and um, Al Cedric Alexander and R-Truth, 
God, I, f- I forgot their names already. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. But those other you guys, said the Australians. He was talking... Yeah, the Australians. <laughs> I feel bad. I'm trying to remember their names, but they're so new to me. It just hasn't quite gotten in my brain yet. But don't worry, I'll get it down. I'll just add it to the list of other thousands of wrestlers I have in my Wikipedia of a brain. But uh, do you think he's going to expand from that? Is he just going to stay with Bobby Lashley? What do you think? I think he's going to get the Australians apart his stable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're starting to see the script of them writing off Lana, which was rumored by, I think, the Wrestling Observer. She's been, ever since they have released her husband, her real-life, governmental-approved relationship type of husband in Rusev, she has shown... <laughs> um, she has pretty much not really demanded her release, but she's requested her requested release because of it. She does. She feels like if she can't be in the WWE with her husband being at home. Um, so we're starting to see, hopefully we're starting to see Lana get written off the script. I do believe Lana and Rusev work better hand in hand, work together better. Well, of course they're married, but they, they came in the WWE together. And they came into, they debuted in the WWE together. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, for me, MVP is the best chance for uh, um, for Bobby. Because I think back in 2014 or 2015, him and MVP were stable in Impact. Uh, that's, where yeah, he, that's correct. And he was the manager for Bobby. I think, I think, or yes, because I, I think that's when Bobby was the champion in Impact. So yeah. or TNA. So no, yes. MVP was also still he was still wrestling at that time as well. Less, but he still definitely was. So I think this is a great chance. I honestly, I think the WWE realizes that they need to start making moves for Lashley and start needing making moves for. I, I know people are going to be cringeworthy when I say this. Gender Mahal to get these guys back in the top-tier position on the Raw's roster because you need to start you know, building interests, some storylines. Um, of course, eventually we'll see Brock Lesnar back here somehow, some way, because we're getting close to the Summer SummerSlam type of um, month, which is in two months where we begin the SummerSlam talk. So do I like the stable for MVP? We saw it from the last couple of weeks of them building up. We knew something was up at Money in the Bank. Why would they hell would they throw our truth and MVP in a match? Then we saw Bobby Lashley come out of nowhere, go, hey, take the night off. And then Bobby Lashley comes in and you know takes care of our truth. That should have been the first sign that there is something. And how the sequence of events happened backstage with, you know, MVP going up in line saying, Well, your husband, this, this, and this, and freaking Lana went ape shit. That just tells me that the stable is near of being formed. And once MVP gets a hold of Lashley and the Australians, I'm just going to call them the fighting Australians until I figure out what the hell their name is as well. I think, <laughs> I, I think they'll be a good stable. And I think them and the Selena Vega stable will be an interesting um, little feud, but that's showing signs of cracking just on Monday night as well. But we've seen 
honestly, I guarantee me and you and a lot of WWE fans, not the, tr- the Twitter trolls, Bobby Lashley has been lost for a couple of months now. And he's too good of a talent to just have in meaningless matches with no storyline connected to it. Or flipping tires somewhere or, you know, going to a McDonald's and ordering some food. He he's a he is a talent that can be represented a representation of your company as a champion. He has in other companies. I just feel like they've lost pass. Or is the WWE punishing him for the years that he should have stayed in the company, but he went on to other ventures? Uh, but mm-hmm. yes, uh, I, I mean I don't think that was the case. Uh, but I mean when they brought him in, like, he was actually under the impression that he would get a shot at Brock Lesnar. And his entrance and the way that they introduced him at first, it seemed like that's the direction that they were pushing him in. And then the promo happened. You all uh, remember. He was yes. wearing that, that like golfer hat on his head, and they have a 10-minute talk with him about his family. And at the very end, he's like, Sister, I can finally tell you, I love you. Because, yes... All wrestling fans, that, that's what we wanted out of Bobby Lashley. That, that yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, that was a good idea. Completely <laughs> killed him. It, it wrecked him for a long time. Very I true. think that they haven't gotten it right since he got back, even when they gave him the IC title. Can you remember anything memorable about it? I really can't. I don't even remember him holding the IC title. Exactly. And so by working with MVP, this could definitely be the shot in the arm that his career has badly been needing. Yes. But, well, we've been rambling on and on and on, doing our little ESPN updates in between as well. So what do you guys say we get over to the backstage news? Oh, God, what now? So we did touch up on this a little bit earlier. We'll try not to go too long on it. But... Raw had a big jump in the ratings. And I felt, since we talked about it in the last episode of SmackDown Talk, that would be a good point to bring up, because SmackDown actually managed to get back over 2 million viewers, which was rather impressive, considering they were around 1.8 uh, the week before. So last week, Raw was at a historic low of one6 and last night was definitely a night celebrating for WWE as, you know, Becky announced her pregnancy and the ratings jumped up a damn good bit. But with that said, from going from 1.6 million to 1.9 million, uh, you know, 300,000 jump is pretty impressive. It seems like with Roman and Becky leaving for an uncertain amount of time, it leaves the question... Will they actually be able to keep the ratings above 1.6? Because if it goes any lower than that, that's going to be a huge problem for the company. Do you think they're actually going to be able to hold up over 1.6 million? And it's kind of unfortunate to say that that's the low bar, but at the same time, kind of a high bar because you know they are struggling in the ratings. Do you think they'll actually be able to hold out? Will it actually get lower than 1.6 million? Honestly, I think it may drop a little bit, but I see it more bouncing and staying where it's at. Uh, seeing that they're, WWE is kind of to, it's starting to show its decision of breaking away from the split brand 
So we're going to see a lot of superstar crossovers starting now. Uh, so we may see some matches that we may have never seen before, like Seth versus Bray and so on and so forth. <laughs> Seth versus Bray Wyatt, we yeah. definitely seen that. Yeah, but still, it's just... I don't think the ratings will drop that to, you know, that badly. And if it does, that means the WWE has completely just gave up on their story creative department. Put it on sale, shipped it on Amazon, and sent it somewhere. It's, it's difficult, but can they sustain it until possibly maybe an arena? A type of scenario where there's fans there. I don't, it's just a difficult time. But having the deposit jump to 1.9 just tells you that people still like the watch wrestling. There, there's a community out there that still watches it. If you give them a decent product, they'll watch. So this is up to the WWE to put something out that people want to see. People saw Randy Orton and Edge. That gave them that gave them a nice little bump, but a lot of people are there to see the Becky Lynch story. So, well, that means SmackDown's ratings go up. Seeing that the Miz was talk about the Intercontinental title, it's not going to be as high as Becky Lynch, but you'll get a boost because people want to know what's going on. So, with that, the WWE right now has been falling, falling, falling ratings for weeks. And I think this is the first time it jumped up a little bit in ratings. So that's a positive sign. Is it a fix? No, hell no, it's not a fix. But if you get near two million viewers, I think that's a that's, I think that's a good win after only having almost fifteen hundred uh, fit uh, one point five just a week before. So it's a positive, the right direction. The WWE needs to fix their crap. We know what they need to fix. We've talked about it countless of times, but. It's just a work in progress, and I think having announcements, having Edge and Orton back, they're going to have to start fixing something up to spice things up because I definitely know Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre not going to draw uh, anything. That's like getting a high school choir to a main stage at the Madison Square Garden event. They're not going to sell out. Uh, so it's work in progress, and so far... It's the right direction, positive right direction. That's we need positive vibes. We have too many negative people in the wrestling community. Positive vibes. Hum, shanti, shanti. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> well, in the uh, in the words of the uh, the late father of George Costanza, "Serenity now, serenity now." Uh, on a final note on this. <clears throat> I did find it interesting that both SmackDown and Raw each both had a jump in the ratings. So that usually doesn't happen. It's usually one or the other. So hopefully this is the tipping point where they can start getting more traction. But yeah, I don't see it being sustainable. But I'm hoping for the best. So good luck to you, WWE. Keep that good writing going. And please, more fish out of water stuff. And you might get, uh, was it Bart Simpson with the cake? At least you tried. <laughs> you learned the most important thing in life, son. Don't ever try. Anyway, so interesting news came out. I always say everything's interesting, but it's because it is to me. Sting is reportedly no longer under WWE contract. Is he AEW bound? 
It was reported this thing was taken off a soon-to-be-released toy line. I, I can't tell you what kind of toy line it was. I, I don't keep up with... Um, well, I don't even want to call it a toy line. I feel like that's disrespectful to it, but I don't keep up with uh, figurine lines and whatnot. God, I'm going to get butchered by the, by the people who collect action figures. Sure. I'm going to get butchered. I'm going to get killed by, by those Collectibles, fans. damn it. All right, collectibles. There you go. Uh, he was taken off a soon-to-be-released collectible line, which took folks by surprise. And according to WrestleMania, it's because he's no longer under contract. And on top of that news, Cody Rhodes was sharing some cryptic tweets with him that insinuated them working together. So let's ask the big, the big question here. Is Sting moving over to AEW Bret Hart style? And or is he going to wrestle again? I have heard some rumors he had some kind of neck fusion surgery. He's feeling a lot better. Uh, he's because he's no longer working, and he's been wrestling for God over thirty years. He finally has some time off. I'm hearing that he's healed up, and he's been trying to get back in the ring, but WWE wouldn't medically clear him, and I, I really can't blame them. But I. I never thought that this would actually happen, the possibility of him wrestling again. I'd, I'd heard about these rumors before, but I didn't buy into it until possibly now. Do you think this is actually going to become a reality? Yes. Well, that was fast. All right, yes, end yes, of the yes. show. Goodbye, yes. everybody. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, There has been rumors, and there's also been a lot of chatter in the AEW world that Sting will be making an appearance at Double or Nothing, which is on the 23rd of May, to display the TNT Championship, which is the next belt, or the equivalent to the IC in the United States and the NBA, uh, oh, NBA oh, really. That, that's, uh, actually, WWE. that's the return of the television title. Exactly. That's pretty cool. So, I missed the TV title. Um, and of course, TNT used to be the broadcaster for the uh, Nitro during the, Monday, during the Monday Night Wars so there is some history between the two so I fully expect Sting to go to the AEW as a representative at first he might be like Hulk Hogan when he came back to the WWE a couple years ago saying uh, well I'm gonna just be here to you know, be just my name is sell tickets then he eventually got into a match I think that's possible in the AEW. Um, but the contract situation for staying in WWE, I've, I don't know what happened personally. I do know that there was, um, just a couple weeks ago, the massive release of star, uh, superstar of stars and employees. He could have been a part of, one, part of that cut string. But mm. um, I don't honestly... For me, not knowing enough information about the WWE side of it and knowing that the AEW has expressed interest in Sting and there is a common agreement between the two from what I've read through different websites, I will not be shocked if he shows up this uh, AEW on Double or Nothing on May 23rd. And I would not be surprised if he doesn't. So... It's one thing about the wrestling community. It's one thing about the wrestling fans and people who cover wrestling. We are sold on a certain story like 100% of the time. 
then the story happens, and we're wrong majority of the time. Um, besides, if you know somebody who's in backstage who literally is in Gorilla, who knows everything right when it happens. But yeah, would I be shocked if Sting gets the, the nod in the AEW? Hell no. I was a big Sting fan when I grew up. Him and DDP were my favorite WCW wrestlers. So, yeah, I won't be surprised if he goes to AEW. And besides, AEW is coming off to be like that old school WCW type of thing because you know you, you have DDP that makes appearances in AEW. You do have uh, the bad man himself. Not Ric Flair yet, but you have a couple members of the NWO that have popped their head in at a, a AEW events, so won't be surprised if we won't be surprising if Sting does follow that path. And of course, it's another promotion, and it's not run by Vince McMahon. And I still believe a lot of WCW uh, talent still has a grudge against Vince McMahon somehow. Maybe not as big as others, but I still think a lot of them hold a grudge against the man. But I won't be surprised if uh, Sting is AEW bound wrestling. As a wrestler or as a person that's just there to display a new championship? Uh, as both, actually. Because I think that, like, it's a foregone conclusion that if, if he does something with AEW, it's a foregone conclusion he'll do something title-wise. But do you think he'll actually get in the ring? Because I have heard that he got the surgery and whatnot from pretty reputable sources. And not that I can claim that they're my sources, but, you know, I heard from someone who heard from somebody, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But you're kind of like your WrestleManias hey, out there. That's when we say connections. <laughs> we have connections. It's like you don't say sources. We have connections. Even though it's not our connections, you bullshit that you have connections, so people believe that you have connections. <laughs> I have internet connections. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, um, do you think he'll actually wrestle? Uh, about 60-40. Okay. All right. Never say never. I'd probably put it about 70-30, 70%. No, he doesn't. Because two years ago we were saying that Daniel Bryan or Edge were never going to wrestle again. Yeah, but neither one of them were in their 50s, to be fair. Well, Sorry, Edge is like Edge is like 40-43. Yeah. Still, uh, all right. There's a, there's a big difference between a 43-year-old and a 50, 50, I think he's 56, actually. Now. Oh, so he's near 60. Okay, that's almost 20-year yeah. difference. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, he's been in the game quite a while. I was going to say, 50-year-olds can't wrestle. Freaking Chris Jericho is 52, and he wrestles almost every single week. Yeah, uh, you got to remember, and I'll keep this short real quick down memory lane, that he did work with uh, the Ultimate Warrior back in the 80s when he was the Dingo Warrior. So, you know, and, and he was 52 when he passed away. So you know that Sting is in at the very least his mid-50s. But, yeah, we, but we shall see. This is all still speculation. You know, backstage news typically is. So let's sure. move on to our heels of the week. And close this show out. And I thought that this pick was much easier than last week. Shayna Baszler. Wow. Just wow. The venom spewing from the jaws of Shayna Baszler were just, yeah, it was just spectacular. I knew as soon as she was asked about Becky Lynch that she would have something nasty to say. 
but it was so far over the top offensive. It was beautiful to watch. You talk about getting heat. You just tell people about a baby faces, well, baby, and how it's just going to be a leech and suck the life out of her and ruin her life. Like, damn. I didn't expect that. This is heat. And I hear all the time that Shayna Baszler's not entertaining and she's boring as paint drying. And I couldn't disagree more. I think Shayna is an intimidating, fearsome, more or less female Bruiser Brody-like warrior. And I think this is the best thing that she has done yet to really get over as a heel, even over biting Becky Lynch's neck and having the blood spewing everywhere. I enjoyed this so much more. I thought this was bigger than her beating up most of the women's division at the Elimination Chamber because I didn't like how that buried everybody else in a negative way. Because you can do that the right way, but I just thought that was wrong. That was just telling the fans that the rest of the women's roster didn't matter. It was all about Shayna. That's not the right way to go about it. But this was so good. She has been needing to recover from that WrestleMania letdown. And her promo, along with the match with Natalia, have certainly done that. So, Shayna Baszler, congratulations. You are my heel of the week. And congratulations, Shayna Baszler. You are also my heel of the oh, week. Oh, God damn it. You caught me in all my... <laughs> Not because of her statements to Becky Lynch. She okay. dropped the most coldest clapback I have ever heard a wrestler say. She and Natalia were at a discussion point yesterday, and she looked at Natalia, said that you don't have kids. Natalia was like, yes, and she went back, oh, that means the Hart Dynasty dies with you. Oh. And I was like, when she said that, I was like, damn. Damn. Called her cat self ass out. And I don't know how to say this. She is the heel that the women's division has needed for a long time. We've seen we've seen we've seen heels. We've seen, you know, Charlotte as a heel, we've seen Sasha Banks as a heel, but we haven't seen a heel that is just blunt like Shayna Baszler. Especially her talk about the baby and how how can a champion get knocked up while she's a champion. That was kind of <laughs> nice. That was kind of uh, funny. <laughs> but the Hart Dynasty dies with her comment on Natalia really was deep. And that's what you need. You need heel heat. And she got it. And that was a great way to start maybe a feud with somebody. I don't think it's going to be with Natalia. I think it's going to be with someone else. Um, but that is something that you rarely see wrestlers do. Just not just attack one face, but attack another face in the same or somewhat same segment. That is called talent on the mic. That is called being a pure SOB. And she did it. So, Shane Baszler. Heel of the week. All right, guys. And with that said, that's going to bring an end to the show. 
Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for putting up with us dopes just rambling on and on. As always, we really appreciate it. Make sure you all stay safe. Make sure to follow PW Newsroom for all your up-to-date wrestling news. Check out 503 Sports if you want to get some kick-ass old-school XFL gear. Make sure to check out our new YouTube channel and our new Facebook page. And all you got to do is type in Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. Boom. You're going to find us right there. If you want to listen to us strictly through a podcast format, maybe you don't have time to watch us on YouTube, maybe you're doing something, want to be hands-free, don't want to have the screen on, make sure to check out Anchor or check us out on iTunes. If you enjoy the show, please do us a favor. If you could, out of the goodness of your heart, leave us a five-star review because it really helps us out. It helps more people be able to come in and join the conversation. And if you want to help support the show, Check out Anchor. You can go right back there. There's a little spot there where you can donate to us, only if you got a couple of bucks to spare. We know everybody's hurting right now. So if you can, and if not, it's all good. We're going to keep the shows coming. We do apologize for some of the delays, but unfortunately, life can get in the way. But we're going to be back, guys. James is going to be talking about AEW this Wednesday. And I'm going to be back with James for some good old SmackDown talk. So until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. This is a copyright disclaimer. We do not own or have any affiliation with the WWE. This is just a fan-made show. And all musical credit for the intro go to Dance with the Dead. Please go support Dance with the Dead and the WWE.